Well, it seems quite appropriate tonight that uh, there are so few of us that it um, that many are hibernating. Even though I consider time that we spend in the quietude of our practice together, alone together, I consider it a kind of hibernating. And I think it's one of the reasons that we we love practice is because we, in our practice, we return to the dark. We We return to our innermost nature, the womb out of which everything of our life emerges. Is we, we reconnect with that, that ground. Each time we close our eyes or, e- or turn inward, opening to our experience, we meet both the waves of, of whatever it is that appears in our mind, but we also experience have a direct perception of the dark in us. I don't mean the dark, the dark, um, I mean the the black out of which everything comes, our deepest nature. And I'm especially aware of this because we are entering into the, the darkest day of the year. And in fact, it's not only the darkest day of the year, but this is the darkest day in 500 years. I don't know, many of you probably know the science more than I do, but today, or this this, uh, particular um, solstice, is the meeting of the, the, you know, the every year, the repetitious, longest day of the year, or you know, longest night of the year. But it's also at the same time, which is the first time in 500 years, a lunar eclipse. And so this truly is the, the darkest um, night, longest night in 500 years. And it seems to me it's important to celebrate the dark, to celebrate the blackness out of which everything emerges. And somehow in our twisted human consciousness, we have come to associate the dark with something not wholesome, not well, something wrong, something, something, um, and this is a, this is a, a complete misperception of everything that I've ever learned in my meditation practice, is that it is out of the, out of the um, entering into the dark, into the quiet, into that that nature into awakening to the uh, disowned parts of myself, to the to the um, to the source of strength and power. It's just like the the black soil is out of the black soil comes the the most most vibrant vibrant uh, plants 
and a life. And in anyone that spends time, it's such a paradox, anybody that spends time in quiet, in solitude, in the dark, tends to become recharged, more full, more whole, more loving, more heartful, more healed. And this is really, we should be celebrating the dark every day. And I, I, I saw today on the internet a passage from a woman named Dawn who just highlighted a little bit of the, the beauty of the dark, the unknown, to embrace the unknown, to embrace the I'm not sure, I don't quite understand this, the opportunity to avoid danger, the quiet, the dark-skinned refugees seeking refuge, unapologetic blackness, our own hidden wounds, the natural pull toward rest, the heightened sense, the heightened senses behind Sight, beyond sight. Then the last one, the extinguishing of the candle. But I think that we have to, as part of nature, we have to equally embrace the, the, um, the time of light and the time of darkness. And, and especially because there's a kind of glorification of light that uh, we need to have an equal love and appreciation, and a feeling of safety in the dark. And I think meditators develop that kind of love of the dark, love of, of that quiet, love of the, of the transforming, the healing effect of embracing our wounds, of entering into the unknown and, and celebrating the fact that we don't know, we don't know what will happen yet. And it, everything that will happen has yet to emerge, or it is emerging out of the black. And that's a beautiful thing, that we are, we are, a, a, we are literally a ground of creativity. Every element of our mind and body is part of this creative process that emerges and then fades away, back to the dark. This is the day of the year that reminds us of that. And we embrace it. We celebrate it. Just wanted to share a letter from one of our Sangha members. She did not address this directly to our Sangha, but she addressed it to everyone who signed up for her newsletter, her little letter. And her name is Brenda Hutchinson. I don't think she would mind me sharing this at all. She has been for, I think, more than 10 years ringing bells, ringing gongs, and many of you have rung these gongs with her when she's been here. She rings a gong every morning as the sun rises and every evening as the sun sets. And she makes a study of knowing whether it's raining or, or not, of knowing when the, the sunset is. 
And she's been doing this for 10 years, and she's been photographing it and going all over the world and with different people in different situations, different cultures, and ringing, the, ringing in the sunrise and the sunset. And she's created some beautiful videos, and it's a passion of hers. It's her spiritual practice of sorts. And she's learned a lot from it. She's learned dharma from it, truth, the way things are. And this was her letter that she sent out today. She said, we're almost there. The darkest day of the winter solstice is almost here, but it will pass immediately, moving us toward the light, at least from a planetary perspective. A challenge to many of us could be to maintain that perspective in the face of the current and continuing darkness. If you find it useful, take advantage of the constancy of the daily sunrise and sunset as an opportunity to stay connected to each other and a reminder of what an immutable truth feels like. Much love and best wishes as we pass through the darkness of the winter solstice. Brenda. And then she includes several sunrises and sunsets. And so it's not just daylight, it's nighttime. And we, one of this very fun things that we used to do with our daughter as we saw, we like to view the animals, the different kinds of animals on the internet. And we would show her, and they would often, there would be a video of, a, of an animal, some of the birds that cover their eyes, and then they open up, and there's, a, there's often some kind of sound connected to it, and one of them would be, uh, night dime daytime. It would go night dime daytime, and, and we would we would make these gestures, and she would just laugh and just squeal. And so we had this running joke for many many years: nighttime daytime. And we even talked about how how one gives way to the other, and these are immutable laws of our of our life. And it really invites to me this the darkness invites me to want to, with each of you even, to peer behind what is, what is the world of appearances. It makes me want to know what your story is, what you're carrying. You know, you've heard that expression that we live lives of quiet desperation. I want to know about that desperation. This is what, knowing what lies in the dark, un, unseen, um, invisible, is really a part of what connects us as, being, as human beings or as sentient beings. I had a very strange experience this weekend. Some of you may have been here three years ago when I, was, uh, I had my 60th birthday here. And there was a surprise celebration and it was, and many of my colleagues and many of my long-time friends, friends in the Dharma, some other friends, my mother sitting up here with her little purse, <laughs> almost 90 years old, dropped into town, surprised me. And it was, it was quite, a, quite an experience. And about a year later, I happened to be sharing a little um, coffee with a, 
a friend who lives, lives near me, who is a longtime friend, who wasn't at that event and was not invited to that event. I had nothing to do with who was invited. I didn't know anything about it, to tell you the truth. But uh, it turns out that he, this friend, when he found out he wasn't invited, it, he went through a, a kind of deflation. You know, that sense of, it, he had been carrying around this feeling of having been left out. Have any of you ever had that feeling? The, we carry these things in the dark where no one sees them and we put on a happy face. And this is, uh, there's lots of feelings. So I just innocently went to attend his 70th birthday party <laughs> where he invited 96 of his closest friends. <laughs> that seems funny to me, 96 close friends. But I was just a guest among 96 people and he, as he is a, uh, he was actually at one point a professional stand-up comic, in addition to being a, a doctor. And he began to do this bit about how he was, how he was very, um, he was always a funny kid. He was always the fastest runner. He was. There were so many, so many things about him that were that were really marvelous. And then he looked at me, he says, and then, you know, there was this party I wasn't <laughs> invited to. And he goes on and on about how his, uh, and he says, don't you do that thing called loving the house that Ego built? Anyway, he was trying to point out the, the fact that any house that your ego built becomes deflated very easily because it's built on an idea, it's built... So it, right in the middle of this thing, his stand-up comic thing, it wasn't working very well. And, and, it was, and it was all about me, all about the feelings he was carrying. And I said, oh, I had no idea he was carrying this in the, in the shadows about um, not having been invited to the 60th birthday party. <laughs> Anyway, we had a, a little email exchange and it was all very lovely healing about this, but all of us have little things like that. And when we're quiet, when we enter into our own internal world, we, what we do, to me this day says, look at that, open to that, love that place that, you, that is just, that's festering in there, that's not getting... Speak to whoever you need to speak to. Speak to yourself with love. Don't let things just fester. Celebrate what's in the dark. Celebrate the dark. Everything. Not to, not to live in this kind of superficial um, appearance. You know, and we're, we're really trained to... to I, I was listening to watching this video of, of Alan Watts, you know, wonderful Zen teacher and artist and philosopher. And he was saying that we're, and he was just really giving the Buddha's teaching on what, he, what the Buddha called bhava or becoming, how from the moment we're, we're born, we're, we're taught to, to be obsessed with what's next, to get on to the next thing, to 
go through grade school, go through high school, go through graduate school, get your career, get to make enough money to retire, and this, this whole momentum of life, and what's often missed in that very superficial pursuit of the imagined dream, what's missed is this beautiful depth that is, that is your natural state, always already right here. And that's why he's very famous for that, at least in my mind, for that, that wonderful passage where he said, the purpose of meditation is always arrived at at the present moment. He says, when you make music, he was very big on the metaphor of music, says when you make music you don't do it in order to reach the end of the composition if that were the purpose only the the fastest players would be the best and people would only write what's the the end of a, a music of a it's called the what's the end of a song whatever the end of the song is the the finale or whatever that people would only write the end of songs he says, and when people dance, they don't dance in order to arrive at a particular place on the floor as in taking a journey. When you dance, the dance itself is the point. Taking a journey, the journey itself is the point. And the same is true in meditation, that the point is, a, is always arrived at in the immediate moment. When we're caught in bhava, in becoming, we miss that, the, that deep, fertile soil, that blackness in us out of which all of our creativity, all of our strength, all of our healing arises. So to me, this is, to me, the, the solstice is the celebration of the black and blackness. And just even when I say the word, that in some ways it, there's a kind of blanking out of of the preoccupations, the papancha, the spinning out, out that, that black out of which all the papancha, papancha is that word in the Buddha's teaching for complications, proliferations, elaborations. And as we've been talking about every week for, for, since the election, one of the ways that in that same kind of bhava, that same kind of becoming, our mind tends to fixate on where we're going, what's next, what's going to happen, what do I need to do so that I make things happen. And we've been talking a lot about making sure that we, that we remember where we are, that we sit in that place that is immovable, unchanged, and out, let let that ferment us, let it season us, let all the feelings that we're feeling of last week I spoke about, about grief, about fear, about anger, about hopelessness or, or groundlessness, letting ourselves feel it, letting that ground hold us. That as I remember the, the, this woman named Jocelyn King, many of you have heard about her, she was a yogi who went to Burma with her scholar husband. And while he dwelled in the world of ideas, she practiced. She entered the dark. She went inward into that sense of 
seclusion. And she, she experienced very deeply the, the ground of openness or emptiness. And so one day at the, at the, she was just standing at the sink, turning on the faucet, and her husband was, was doing his scholarly thing, and she just turned over to a group of people that had come to, to hang out with, with her husband, and they were on sabbatical, I guess, in Burma, and she, she just very casually said, she says, I don't understand why people prefer the quicksand of somethingness rather than the firm ground of emptiness. All of this seeking, all of this becoming, all of this obsession with what's next, it's, it has no ground. It goes nowhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not meant to go anywhere. We're meant to be arriving. And this cultural conditioning that the best is yet to come has turned us into turned us into superficial chronic seekers that prevent us from actually being changed by life by our circumstances being moved another passage that someone Turn me on to today. I'm hoping I can find it now. Oh, there were two things. Okay, this was from Sorry, gotta go back to the other one. Shoot. Well, while I have this one up, I'll read it because it's also relevant to our conversation tonight. This is from Pesha Joyce Gertler, often read poem called The Healing Time. Finally, on my way to yes, I bump into all the places where I said no to my life, all the untended wounds, the red and purple scars, those hieroglyphs of pain carved into my skin, my bones, those coded messages that send me down the wrong street again and again, and I, where I find them, the old wounds, the old misdirections, and I lift them one by one close to my heart, and I say, holy, holy. Okay, here we go. This is from... W.H. Auden. We would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of the moment and let our illusions die. So to me, this settling into the dark, to life right here, is really to let our illusions die, is to is to paradoxically see clearly. And it's that quiet. I, it's so interesting that the quieter I am, the more I settle into that natural quiet, just quite naturally, spontaneously, there's more clarity. And with more clarity, there's more caring. I just care more. 
And when I'm unclear, I get caught. I'm just lost. So let's celebrate the dark. Be changed and climb the cross of the moments and let our illusions die, as W.H. Auden. So the Buddha's way of of staying here, connecting with that inner quiet, is to purify our mind, purify our actions, and purify our view. And at the center of that, the navigator of that, is to gather our attention, just what we did during the sitting, to gather our attention here and then sustain that relentlessly, continuously, day in and day out. Purification of mind. And what what one sees, the more one enters into that quiet, the more you will see the powerful habits of mind to want to be elsewhere, to want to go elsewhere, to want to jump ahead, to take a leap. It's just like that poem from Thich Nhat Hanh, where he said, the first attainment of the practice is froglessness. He says, when you put a frog on the center of a plate, it jumps out of the plate after just a few seconds. If you put the frog back again on the center of the plate, it again jumps out. He says, you have so many plans. There's something you want to become. Therefore, you always want to make a leap, a leap forward. He says, it's difficult to keep the frog still on the center of the plate. You and I have Buddha nature in us, this always already black, dark ground of consciousness. You and I have Buddha nature in us. This is encouraging. But you and I also have frog nature in us. That's why the first attainment of the practice, froglessness is its name. So we want to realize froglessness. So that means we want to stay here. Stay here. And one of the things that we will notice if we stay here is we will see in real time, be able to relate to instead of from our mental proliferation. We will notice three kinds of proliferation. Three kinds I'll give you in two minutes. The first kind, we proliferate about what we want. It's called tanha papancha. The elaboration, the proliferation, the effusion of of commentary that obscures the simplicity of our lives. We see it all about what we want. The second kind of papancha that we can notice and relate to instead of from, does that make sense? Relate to instead of from? is called ditti papancha. Ditti means views. All of the proliferation, views and opinions, if you had a few political ones lately, 
most of our political opinions that are spinning out in our mind very innocently because we love ourselves, but they're not going anywhere. They're just, they're just the cause of so much misery. The beauty of noticing this papancha as it's occurring, it wakes us up and reminds us of our love of being right here, and this is where we will find the information about what is needed, who needs to be loved, who needs to be advocated for, who needs to be protected, who needs to be celebrated. It comes out of our immediacy. It comes out of the black, the quiet. If we don't have that quiet, we're lost. So the third kind of papancha is called... um, it's called mana papancha. Mana means conceit or egoism. It is the constant papancha about the story of me playing through my mind, the virtual version of myself. And the virtual version of myself, the one that I'm spinning out in, even though it, it is a... It's a source of a lot of my pain, and I want to know, I want to know your story, and I, maybe you want to know my story, but we need to wake up to see that, that that papancha about ourselves describes somebody that doesn't exist. It's actually the imaginary version of us, and it, doesn't, it goes nowhere. Just like my friend's proliferation around the 60th birthday party, it's gone nowhere except into misery. And so we begin to relate to that with mercy and kindness, with compassion for how much we spin. But we stay here connected to the dark, connected to the womb out of which that whole proliferation comes. Where did those thoughts come from? Where do they go? Where does a plant come from? Where does it go? Where does this whole world emerge from? And where does it go? What makes possible the seeing of all those stars is the black. So let's celebrate the black, and may all beings celebrate the black, and may all black beings be celebrated. And may our practice tonight and every night be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all beings, especially those who are unseen and uncared for and persecuted, invisible. May all beings be free of suffering. May all beings know happiness and the cause of happiness. May all beings be liberated. Thank you for coming along on my stray, on my ride of stray thoughts. Really appreciate everyone. This, just a little announcement before I leave, before we leave. Uh, next week, as a tradition, uh, Yvonne Ginsberg will be here to, to, uh, to finish the year. She's been doing this, I think, for the last 10 years or so. She's been the person that, um, that comes on the, 
the last Tuesday of the year. It's the 27th. So please come and support her, support each other. There will be a group here, and it's a great time to practice two days after Christmas. It's a good time to heal, good time to, to just check in and be together. And again, this is my last Tuesday evening of the year, and just want to thank you all for your uh, support this year. Thank you all for your practice. Thank you for being willing to be in the dark and to keep connecting with that place that, doesn't, that, that knows enough to get along but doesn't know what will happen next. And that's the wildness of practice as we, we fall in love with quiet and hopefully then touch our hearts and then just give it to everybody. So I hope you give and receive lots of love and I love you, love being with you all year and, and I'll, look for, I'll be here on, on January 3rd for those of you who feel to come back that night. Anyway, nice to be with you and thanks for your generosity too. My family thanks you, Mission Dharma thanks you. We're, it, it, we really do depend on each other, so thank you. Brenda, what's your last name? Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Where do I find your work?